Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 24, the live special with Alison McGovern and Wes Streeting on automation. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope, and I'm joined by Progress Director Richard Angel. We'll be looking at feedback from the live show, as well as for Progress Political Weekend, where it was recorded. Wes and Alison's brilliant debate earlier in the week works as a precursor to the next Progress magazine, which will be landing with members and subscribers over Easter. The whole edition looks at technology and how progressives should approach it. Many of the elements that they discussed are reappearing in the magazine now, from ethics of driverless cars to the ability to regulate big global tech companies something that obviously has really been in the news this week. Did kind of watching the live recording happen make it a bit easier to understand these articles that were coming in for the magazine, do you think, Richard? I think it was. What was interesting about the live podcast was how Alison and Wes were able to move from the theoretical to reality. You know, what is happening on a kind of meta level that we need to understand about how this is changing and therefore what do we do about it in the kind of real world? So I thought that was quite important. Some of them, the debates that have been happening around us, whether they're the ones we're engaging with in the magazine, whether it's about regulating this kind of new digital economy to come or how we use it in campaigning, was therefore really useful. But of course, the backdrop to all of this is this big Facebook debate that is happening and the revelations about Cambridge Analytica and their role in the Trump campaign and potentially other democracies around the world. It's come at a kind of perfect time, this focus on the issue, because obviously we'd actually been planning this magazine for weeks, but actually it's going to come out at just the right time and a point when people really do want to take a look at this stuff and go, well, actually, what should our response be? How much regulation should there be and how should we approach it generally? I had some really great feedback for the show over the past few days, but other feedback that we got online, uh, Dev Utopia said asked when the podcast outlining the plans for the next leadership coup should be. I imagine that'll be mid-April, maybe Um, (laughs) mid-May. Joe G said that neoliberalism has failed, move on. And Stephen Carr said, if Corbyn is elected, Labour will transfer property and goods from wealthy people to poor people. So it's it's good that they're really uh, kind of tackling... Taking it off of Shana's mill and giving it to the intern in the office. That's how it's (laughs) going to uh, work. I love the neoliberalism stuff. It's the political equivalent of your mum jokes, isn't it? It's become this utterly meaningless (laughs) um, attack on people where the people using it barely seem to know what the word means, let alone 
what on earth it might have done well or failed at or obviously wrongly ascribing it to people who have spent their lives trying to regulate market economies rather than liberate them. It's very bizarre. Oh, I did think it was very funny, you know, a 45-minute thoughtful debate about automation and how technology changes in the workplace between two Labour MPs that was actually properly about trying to really tackle these issues in a proper way. And the response that we get online is... Uh, Your mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was really interesting about it was how actually... Wes and Alison were coming from very different places, tonally very different, highlighting quite different concerns, but coming to quite similar conclusions. And I think you remarked at some point in here, it's like, I'm slightly confused what you actually disagree about. But it dawned on me that if Alison had said what she said in front of one of Wes's taxi crowds, it would have gone down like a bag of sick, despite the fact they'd come to a particular set of conclusions. Equally, had Wes gone and spoken to kind of tech conference something with his thing, it would have got equally a... Eye rolls all round. Eye rolls all round reaction. But actually, they both kind of got to that point where it's like, well, these are the various things we can do about this. And I just think we've got to... What seemed interesting to me was you need Alison's argument to bring the kind of pioneers in the electorate, those who are wanting to own the future, young, dynamic themselves, and see this as a great opportunity. And then you need Wes's argument and tone to bring the traditional Labour supporters and those who are in areas affected mostly by globalisation, and that bringing those two things together could be what works for us. And what's interesting is to see the centre-left not as a homogenous group, you know, the point of being in progress is not to receive a line, but to have that thoughtful debate, to kind of dissent without being, you know, overly factional and to, to disagree without being disagreeable. And that's quite refreshing, I think. If you did like the live show, don't forget to let us know that too, especially with an iTunes review. And if you have any ideas about what we could cover in future live shows, do get in touch. Or if there's anything a bit different, like the live quiz that we did and you think that would work, do get in touch too. I think we're trying to uh, pin down a live show probably in early May as our uh, annual conference. So do get a ticket for that because I think we are going to have one then, aren't we? Early bird tickets are available now. So go to progressonline.org.uk. But back to the political weekend, which is where we recorded this live show. Do you want to explain a bit more about what it is? It came about in 2011, a combination of reasons. One of the leaving Labour ministers talked about needing a kind of Hogwarts of spin doctors. (laughs) But also I'd been to this venue, Stoke Rochford, which was an NUT venue at the time. So National Union of Teachers venue at the time. And when I was in Labour students and they were some of the best weekends I've ever spent in the Labour Party because... The political education we used to have in Labour students was not to tell us what to believe, but to put two often diametrically opposed opinions next to each other in the Labour Party and have the debate. So my favourite was Hazel Blears, then chair of the Labour Party, very much in the kind of leadership camp of its time. And Derek, the General Secretary of Amicus, uh, what was Derek's surname? It was... I can't think of the top of my head, but he was my General Secretary in Unite, uh, which emerged into Unite eventually. And them having the debate about different visions for Labour shored up what I thought about my view. And I was kind of 80% Hazel and 20% Derek. And that was a kind of, you know, it helped me forge my views. I wasn't told what to believe. I literally had in front of me, here's the spectrum, get involved. And I thought that was a really good thing and wanted to emulate that in progress as Labour had come out of office and needed a new generation of people to think again about the challenges we've got. It's now happened every year other than the 2015 general election year. And it is great because one of the bases of the event is is that half the people there are there on bursaries. So we ask our friends and supporters to pay most of the costs and a younger 
person, a student, somebody from a non-traditional background in politics gets to go for a fraction of the cost. And it means it is a, hopefully a melting pot of different people in the movement who want to talk about the ideas. Derek Simpson, I think, was the there general secretary that you were thinking of. So what, what kind of um, you know, panels and, and sessions do we have on it? And what was your highlight this year? So this year was quite Brexit focused. So the opening session was about how Labour could shape Brexit. The result of the election mainly seems to have been the Tories have lost their manifesto and any real agenda. And we're left with a Brexit has moved from the hands of the Prime Minister and the Cabinet to Parliament and in many ways the backbenchers. So the numbers are there for a single market future. And what was interesting is we had Pat McFadden, Angela Smith and Harvey Redgrave, who now works for Tony Blair's Institute for Global Change and formerly for Ed Miliband, debating how we can shape Brexit. And the event ended with a rally on the single market with great people like Edda, who stood for NEC Youth Rep, Alison McGovern and Paul Williams, who's the new MP for Stockton South. Now, shall we have a look My at... My highlight, though, although, oh, sorry, yeah. which we, people will read about in the next magazine, was wonderful Roger Little did our after-dinner speech on social democracy's darkest hour, and he was his... As a, as a blizzard raged outside. As it? a blizzard raged outside. It was... Um, we, we, it, if felt, it felt very Hogwarts at that yeah. moment. We were very <laughs> unlucky that we weren't snowed in. Some of us would have liked to have stayed for a few more days in the Lincolnshire countryside. My highlight definitely was the live podcast. So, <laughs> and you were very good on it. I think. Yeah, I think all the listeners would agree. Connor's sometimes the third funniest person in our office, but he really came through on that occasion. <laughs> on that note, shall we look at some of the iTunes reviews? A review from Red Twenty One Twenty One Three simply says, "Love it, very good." That's my favourite kind of review. Personally. That's the best kind of review. Marple Leaf says, "Warm, compassionate." considered and full of the quiet fury that led us all towards progressive politics in the first place. So that review reminded me of this quote from our colleague, Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd, at the end of one of the sessions at Progress Political Weekend, which we can play now. The reason that we can bring people in is because we have the right ideas. The reason we will inspire people to get back involved in politics and be on our side of politics in terms of changing people's lives is by going out there and proving that we can do it. We don't have to wait for the permission. We have to go out and show people what our values do in practice. Uh, it's not just about motions. It's not just about procedure. It's not just about spreadsheets. As well. I love them all dearly. It's about going out and changing people's lives. And that's why we came into politics. It sounds horribly cheesy, but it's also deeply true. I think that quote encapsulates a lot of what the weekend was about. It's not about organising specifically to win, uh, you know, certain internal party positions or anything like that. It's actually about the big ideas that we have and what drove us into politics in the first place. And the, the point of Political Weekend, as far as I can see it, is that actually we get together and we talk about big ideas, honesty and in good humour, and actually debate what we want to see change and and why we're there in the first place. And, and that's a, a kind of really positive thing. And it is great to spend just a weekend of the year away and doing that and not really thinking about those kind of other other elements of it. I think politics is often at its best when you can disagree and are not treat, being disagreeable to each other. And I think that opportunity, because you can then get to the nub of the issue, you can be thoughtful, reflective, potentially even change your mind because you listen to the arguments of others in the in the context that they're comrades not that they're kind of out to get you in some way and I think that's really important I'm glad that we provide that space great we should probably leave it there there was no pub quiz question this week oh. uh, but that will be returning in that was the... on behalf of the listeners <laughs> that will be returning in the next episode do remember to send in any comments and questions leave a review rate and subscribe on iTunes and Progressive Britain will be back on Tuesday next week with guest Philip Collins. 
Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crumpton. Thank you.